Kuf Zayin Adar Aleph Tavshin Ayin Tet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in snowy New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
the great Poogie off of the live album of their last concert performance in the park. Open things up with Shira Makolet. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome, everybody, to the Nachum Siegel Network and the Israel Show. We're here every week, immediately following JM and the AM. Every Monday, I should say, immediately following JM and the AM. 9 a.m. Israel time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. No, 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 no. Oh, my gosh, I'm so confused. Nachum's in Israel. His show is on in the afternoon. I, just, I am confused. Baruch Hashem, Nachum's in Israel. 9 a.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Israel time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that is the time that we're on. <laughs> Write it down so you won't forget like I just did. Uh, and, of course, you can listen to us on... On Demand, that's what it's called, On Demand, via the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free on iTunes and Android, and um, and on NachumSiegel.com. Look for the archives there. We are. We have a, uh, hopefully, an interesting show. Not hopefully. We have an interesting show. Why is it hopeful? I mean, I hope you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. But we have an interesting show. I will attempt I will attempt to explain two things during the course of the show. That's it. I have a modest list. One, I will attempt to explain the situation of Prime Minister Netanyahu and his legal mess, or I should say the legal mess that he is in. I'll try and explain what happened last week and um, give some clarity there. No judgment, just clarity. And the second thing I will try to explain, or I will ask, is why is it that Israel's left is so, and American Jewish left, is in a uh, almost an, an insane fit about the joining of the Otsma Yehudit party into the Bayit HaYehudi as a technical alliance that are running together just to be split up later, but to avoid the problems that are caused by the threshold of a percentage of votes. Why are they so up in arms? Is it because they are really have a moral concern about racism? Or maybe it's just politics as usual. We will try and accomplish both. And to boot, put some uh, some music in as well. So um, try to work it out this way. I'm going to start with a new song that came out uh, the, well it's part of an album that came out this week is an uh, album of Ariel Horowitz we have played lots of his stuff over the years he is the son of Naomi Shemer uh, very talented in his own right he writes, he plays, he sings he does it all and the album is called Kishabano Habaita When We Came Home and the title track which we'll play now is very special. So, this it's a story of people that came home from a hike, but it's all a metaphor for the Jewish people who came home 
after the long galut, after the long diaspora and the roaming around for 2,000, almost 2,000 years. First thing, when we came home, we threw away our backpack. We didn't take off our shoes. The house needed a lot of cleaning up. A lot of time has passed, so go figure out where to start. Okay? I have a feeling that when he's saying we threw away our backpack, but we kept our shoes on, he may be referring to our Jewish heritage, some of which we threw away, because there was a lot of cleanup to do, and we needed boots on the ground, so to speak, at that moment. And we didn't know where to start. And there were those who came straight off the boat and didn't even have a chance to do anything. They also didn't take off their shoes and they fought in the hills of Latrun, which was the site of a big battle in the Independence Day, Independence War of Israel, War of Independence of 48. And Hem Belishem Nisharu, they were left without a name, just left there without a name. Go figure out where to start. We Fighting for our lives, people came straight off the boat, and went to fight and were killed, and nobody even knew who they are or where they are. So how, how do you know where to even start? Sometimes in the tremendous noise, cacophony that's out there, if you listen carefully, you can hear that little noise, the murmuring of the handle of the of the needle, excuse me, of the compass that brought us here. The compass is in our backpack that we threw away when we came home. The compass is our Jewish heritage that led us back to the land of Israel. What brought us here? What, what, what compass were we following? Where was the needle on the compass that brought us back to Eretz Israel? It was in that backpack with our, all of our Jewish heritage that we threw off so quickly. We built fence. Maybe he's talking about a fence between each other. I'm not sure. But we worked together as one person because this is our home. But the minute we were able to, we put down our tools and everybody entered their own separate room, meaning we didn't really meld into one nation. Maybe that's what he's saying. There are those who didn't even get into their own room. They were left out in the hallway. Talking about those from came from North Africa and from the Arab countries who were put up in shanty towns. They were left out in the hallway, he says metaphorically. On the little um, little hut that they had, 
that was made out of like aluminum. They had pictures of the of the rabbis that they revered. They're looking for their dream, the dream of returning to Zion, in the sands of Yerucham, which is a development town in the Negev where many were sent. The first thing we did when we came home is we threw away the backpack. And in that backpack was all were all the tools that helped us along the way. Hayubo Merchak Dmaot Veavak. It was very distant, many tears, much dust. Veremez Dak Meefolahatril, but in that backpack was a veiled hint of where we should begin. Or if throughout the song he says, Lech where do you even start? He says in the backpack, which I explained is the Jewish heritage that we threw off the minute we came to the land, and he's talking about the original Chalutzim, I presume, in that backpack that we threw off, that is where we find the compass that brought us here to the land of Israel and the handbook or the manual of where to start, where to begin, and how to go along the journey. Wow, this is so powerful. What can I say? Ariel Horowitz walks in the footsteps of his mother without a doubt. Ariel Horowitz, brand new, just debuted, Kshibanu Habaita. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. ראשון כשבאנו הביתה זרקנו את התרמיל אבל לא חלצנו נעליים כי הבית היה צריך הרבה עבודה בכל זאת עבר המון זמן לך תדע מאיפה להתחיל והיו גם את אלה שישר מהאונייה בלי לחלוץ נעליים בגבעות של התרום הם בלי שם נשארו לך תדע מאיפה להתחיל לפעמים ברעש הגדול הזה אפשר לשמוע את רחש Thank you. 
Goosebumps. That is so amazing. Ariel Horowitz with Kishabano Habait. That's the title track of his new album that was just released. Many of the songs on the album we debuted here over the last two years. That's the way things go in Israel. I don't know, maybe here as well, but I know in Israel uh, an artist works on an album. And um, as a song is ready, they put it out to the public in the form of a YouTube video, release it to the uh, to the media, to the radio stations, which is how we get it as well, and um, it gets airplay. People can relate to it and enjoy it, and uh, then eventually it gets into the album. So we've played a bunch of songs from this album. One of them, which whenever I think of it, my heart breaks, is a Swim El Afish about the funeral of Sean Carmeli, the lone soldier, who uh, was killed in the Aza War, but a few years back. Tsoketan. And um, he was a fan of, uh, I think it was Maccabi or Hapoel, one of the uh, basketball teams in Haifa. And the team put out a post on uh, Facebook saying... This is a fellow fan of ours. He's alone in Israel as a lone soldier. He fell in battle. Please come to his funeral. And 20,000 people showed up. And quite frankly, that was the first of what ended up becoming several funerals of lone soldiers where thousands and thousands of Israelis came. That simple request by some basketball fans that said, Come, Jews, Jews, 
let us give respect to, to this brother of ours who has come from abroad to serve with us and died and was killed in, in battle, began this minhag, this, this sad, sad custom of thousands and thousands and tens of thousands at times, Max Steinberg and others, where they would come to a funeral of someone who they never met and never knew. Um, let's try and do this. Um, I <laughs> I will be open and honest with you. I had a page with notes about the three cases that Netanyahu um, is facing, and for some reason I can't find it, so I will try and do it from memory, and hopefully uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Kalva Homer, that if when I have the paper, I usually mess things up a little bit. How is it going to be from memory? But we'll give it a try. Israel's Attorney General, who is also the government, no, who's also the pro- Chief Prosecutor, I know it's crazy, Head of the Justice Department, um, special uh, group of members of Justice Department who were working on these cases, have been working for three years on cases against Prime Minister Netanyahu. They uh, are now reduced to three cases. They're called 1000, Tik Elef, Tik Alpaim, Tik that's like the number that they give to uh, the folder. So it's 1,000, 2,000, 4,000. You might ask what happened to 3,000. 3,000 was a case that they thought maybe they had against Netanyahu and ultimately turned out that he was totally not involved. So they dropped that. Of the three, there was talk for quite a long time And when I say talk, I mean leaks from the Justice Department to the media, the the leftists in the media, who uh, were using the media to pressure the Attorney General and others. There were leaks that there would be three indictments handed down of bribery, that Prime Minister Netanyahu was guilty of bribery. Well, it turns out that of the three right now, one of them carries... The uh, bribery um, indictment. The other two do not. The other two have a much more general crime, which is called Mirmava Hafarat Emunim, like fraud and breach of public trust, which is like a, almost like a catch-all indictment. When you can't bring a bribery indictment, you bring that. It's been brought before against politicians. So, 1,000. We've discussed this before over the, over the days, but over the years, I should say. But now we have a draft with the allegations of the prosecutor. And that's what it is. It is a draft of possible indictments. Prime Minister and his lawyers get to rebut in a long process called in Hebrew Shimua, where they get to be heard. 
That process could take eight months, ten months, easily, that's what I'm told. So after the elections are over, and until a trial begins, there would be still about eight to ten months during which <clears throat> Netanyahu can still be prime minister, because the law in Israel makes it clear. The law in Israel is that a sitting prime minister does not have to resign unless he is found guilty. Even after indictment, I, I think the public outcry would be huge, but even after indictment, according to the law, he could stay prime minister. Now, this what's happening now is even prior to indictment. It's an intent, it's a document of the intention to indict on condition of rebuttal, meaning there won't be any real indictment handed down until the Shimua process, the rebuttal, opportunity for rebuttal happens. The American press got it wrong, I believe, when they say Prime Minister Netanyahu was indicted. They should say that the Attorney General submitted to the Prime Minister a document, I think it's 57 pages, it's online, you can read it, I read through part of it, it's typical boring stuff, although it's not, if, if you understand Hebrew well, you can understand it, you don't have to be a lawyer, it's not like I read through a bunch of pages and it's clear, it's, it's pretty easy, it's, it was written in a readable way for the, for the layman, let's put it that way, uh, but it's not an indictment. Okay, Tik Aleph. There is a an Israeli who lives in California. His name is Arnon Milchin. When I mentioned his name to um, friends of mine here in the States, nobody heard of him. But his name is on many, many Hollywood films. He's a Hollywood producer who made it big. Fabulously wealthy. Israeli to this day. He lives in America on a, on a visa. <laughs> and um, very colorful person. The one movie that I remember that he, was, uh, uh, he produced was Pretty Woman, way back when. As an Israeli that made it big, like so many Israelis that make it big, like Chaim Saban and others, he has a tremendous... Um, there's, there's a part of him that really wants to, to rub shoulders with uh, the higher-ups of Israel, the prime ministers, the, the, the ministers of defense, the minister of foreign affairs, the top leaders in Israel's markets and so forth. And so Arnold Milchin was a friend of all the prime ministers in the past uh, bunch of years since he became rich, decade probably, if not more. Shimon Peres was his friend, others. He does a lot of fundraising in America on behalf of Israel and so forth. Well, as a friend of ben- Benjamin Netanyahu and somebody who came to visit him often when he was in Israel, he would bring gifts. He knew that Netanyahu loves certain expensive cigars and Mrs. Netanyahu likes a certain expensive champagne and they would bring every time they came when Arnon Milchin told Benjamin Netanyahu that he's not comfortable 
because there came a time that Benjamin Netanyahu said to Arnon Milchin, listen, um, when you come next time, could you bring a bunch of cigar, those cigars and champagne for my wife? Meaning it, 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 it went from an absolute gift that somebody brings of his own to a gift, but it was solicited somewhat. Arnold Minton said, I'm not comfortable with that. And Benjamin Netanyahu said, let me check with my lawyers. And he did. And his lawyers told him, you're allowed to accept gifts. Unlike in the States, in Israel. Well, maybe in the States as well. I shouldn't say unlike in the States. But in Israel, the law is that if someone is a friend, a personal friend, not a political uh, ally or something like that, uh, an absolute friend, you're allowed to accept gifts from him. Netanyahu gets back to Milton and tells him that. And so Milchin goes along with it. The prosecutors claim that the Netanyahu's got gifts from Milchin in the hundreds of thousands of shekels. Let's be honest. Not huge sums of money. I mean, you know, if you're a man in the position of Netanyahu and you want to get rich from bribes, this isn't how to do it. Arnon Milchin... What's the quid pro quo? Meaning, if the prosecutors say, hey, you brought these cigars and champagnes and then later on it became jewelry to Mrs. Netanyahu, as, as bribery, what was he getting in return? So, one is, supposedly, he was, uh, he was seen favorably in certain areas of communications that he wanted to be involved in, or it's Esser and so forth. But it's hard, really, to say that that would be the main thing, because, frankly, it, 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 the government dealt with Arutz Esser in such a way that they, they were on the verge of bankruptcy already at some point. And the second thing which was noted, and I don't know if this is in the final document or just in the, in, in, in the um, interim uh, talks about the different issues, Arnold Milchin had a 10-year visa to the United States, and it would be renewed for 10 years at a time. When the time came to renew it, Obama, President Obama and John Kerry were in power and they were trying to um, close the deal with the Iranians. And they knew that Milchin was close to Netanyahu. But then it was revealed that Arnold Milchin, this Hollywood superstar, had worked for the Mossad and done some very important work behind the scenes against Iran. That's a shocking revelation. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And could be that, as punishment, if you will, the Obama Kerry um, government administration only renewed the visa for one year. And Milchin was upset and furious and everything else. And he asked Netanyahu to please intercede on his behalf with John Kerry, and it seems that Netanyahu did. I don't know what happened with the visa at the end. It doesn't matter. One could say that in exchange for getting champagne and cigars, Netanyahu asked John Kerry to extend Milchin's visa. Hard to make that claim, I think, because any prime minister would have interceded on behalf of Arnon Milchin. Arnon Milchin is an important person for Israel, especially once it was revealed that he did work for the Mossad, Hard to imagine that any prime minister would not intervene on his behalf. So the Arnon Milchin, the gifts, the cigars, the champagne, the jewelry to Mrs. Netanyahu versus the possible quid pro quo. That is Teak Elif.
Tikal Payim, we discussed also at, at length uh, uh, a while back when the original information started seeping out, and we'll get, get to that after this song. Aaron Razel, I mean, Yonatan Razel um, hosts his brother Aaron Razel. No. <laughs> so confused. Aaron Razel is the featured person on this song. He wrote and composed it, and he invited his brother to join him in singing it. There we go. It's called Tenli at We played it a few times. It is amazing. Try and pick up some of the words along the way. My name is Maya Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Aaron Razel with Tainli Et Hayom Hazeh. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Um, and um, we'll give a heads up to our local affiliates. We're, <laughs> we're going to go over. We're uh, Yoni's in Israel, and he will not be presenting his usual sports show that he presents every Monday immediately after Jam in the AM after further review. And um, I believe we have the go-ahead to go uh, to go long. So we'll go long, and we'll be able to finish up everything we wanted to do and play some more music. The 2000 case, it's called Tik Alpayim. This is something, as I mentioned, we discussed on the air when the details came out, because um, there was a tape recording that was leaked, and that really <laughs> helped everyone understand what was going on. Yediyot Achronot is the large, was the largest newspaper in Israel by far, to the extent that um, it was declared a monopoly in Israel. And what was hidden to the citizen, to the citizens of Israel, was the power that its publisher and owner Noni Moses yielded, wielded in the country. And those who cooperated and were friendly with him, he was friendly with them and gave them very positive reportage. And those who he didn't like got bashed. It was that simple. It was like a mafia. Well, Prime Minister Netanyahu has a friend by the name of Sheldon Adelson. You may have heard his name. He's involved in U.S. politics as well. A very super wealthy person made his money in uh, um, casinos. And he gives a lot to right-wing causes. He decided to counteract by opening his own newspaper, which will be pro-Netanyahu. And he opened up the newspaper, which is today today is the largest newspaper in Israel, Israel Hayom, which has an unabashed, uh, positive approach to the right and to Prime Minister Netanyahu. It is, even though it has that, it is a great newspaper. They got some of the premier journalists to come to come in and to join them, and they put out a very quality product. And here's the kicker, they don't charge anything for the paper. You can get it for free. And so people started leaving Yediyot Why should they pay money when they can get a newspaper for free, a good newspaper, and one that really is in tune with the majority opinion of, of Israelis? Well, Noni Moses was starting to get scared because his monopoly was broken and his his mafia-like uh, hold on the power in, in Israel through his uh, newspaper was being um, eroded. And so he had several meetings with Prime Minister Netanyahu. <laughs> this is so crazy, so crazy, in which he said, listen... If you reduce the circulation of Israel Hayom in some way that I can get back some of my paid uh, readers, I will give you positive coverage. I will be your best friend in the media. I can get you reelected as prime minister uh, during the next election by giving you positive uh, coverage. So, for example, tell Israel Hayom not to put out a weekend edition. Weekend edition is like it is in the States. Very big edition with a lot of uh, additional material. Comes out on Friday morning. And Prime Minister Netanyahu played along. A lot of things happened along the way. I'm not even going to get into it. Noni Moses, I'll just mention this. Noni Moses, during this period of time, actually had a bunch of Knesset members 
on his quote-unquote payroll, meaning they got positive coverage, and they introduced a law. They wanted to pass a law in Israel that a daily newspaper cannot be given out for free. Do you hear that? These great champions of freedom of speech, when, when that law was close to making it, Netanyahu dismantled the previous government and went to elections, in part because of his fear of the Israel Hayom law passing. I know, it sounds crazy. The last few meetings with Prime Minister Anoni Moses were tape-recorded by Ari Harrow, who is Prime Minister's aide. Prime Minister Netanyahu asked him to tape them. And uh, we've played parts of them. I mean, it's literally, I mean, it's the godfather. It's unbelievable. Well, here, it's a very difficult case to make. The prosecution is saying, even though nothing happened, nothing happened. Netanyahu didn't give anything. Yidiot didn't get anything. And Yidiot didn't give anything back. There's no quid pro quo. Nothing happened. Still, they're saying that Netanyahu should have... The minute he heard the uh, offer from, from Noni Moses of Yediot, he should have gotten up and saying, no, this is not proper, this is bribery, and I, I won't have any part of it. And because he schlepped along with it and led him on and, and, and all kinds of machinations, that that rises to uh, fraud and breach of trust level. Uh, hard to see, I, I don't know. Again, all of this will come out first in the Shimua, in the, uh, in the rebuttal. Uh, opportunity that the Prime Minister has and then possibly in the trial. And if it does go to trial, by the way, there's three trials that are going to have to happen here. And if it does go to trial, then uh, between trials and appeals, Shimua and everything else that's involved, it it could be five to eight years. Who knows? uh, We have a long way, long road ahead of us. And then there's Tik Shlosh Talafim, which seems to be the most... uh, the most difficult for the Prime Minister, and uh, we'll get to that one after the next song. Okay, brand new music we're debuting here. Daniel Zamir with Mode Ani. Beautiful, uh, beautiful words. Great musician. He is a uh, saxophone clarinet player who appears in a lot of the songs out there. Now he's working on his own album. So we're happy to debut this Mode Ani version. Daniel Zamir. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, 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 oh,
Debuting here on the Israel Show, Daniel Zamir, Modani. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the aforementioned Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. As uh, we said before, we just want to alert our local affiliates that will be running long today as Yoni and his show, after further review, um, are on hiatus. Yoni's not on hiatus. Yoni's in Israel, but the show's on hiatus. So we'll uh, use that opportunity to run a little longer as we want to finish up some material here. We're talking about the three intent-to-indict cases that were uh, presented to Prime Minister Netanyahu. By the way, there is so much... I mean, this is so political in the sense that anyone on the right who's pro the Prime Minister will tell you all about why these charges are meaningless. And will tell you why the way they came about was terrible. 
and we'll tell you all about how we only know about it because it was all leaked to the media. This whole document shouldn't be available. And the media had it even before the primary. All this thing. And anyone on the other side will tell you about how this is terrible. He's so corrupt. Here they have him now. They're going to get him. He can't run. He has no shame. And um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I really don't know who to believe. If, if everything is as it appears in what I've told you so far, it does not really seem to rise to a really corrupt uh, person. He's a politician. Politicians deal with the media all the time. There's a back and forth. It was, it became known uh, years a few years ago that uh, the Yeshatid party, uh, which controlled the Ministry of Education at the time, made a deal with Yidiorachonot, where they would publish articles that were positive articles about what the ministry was doing and got paid for it, paid cash money. It was a small story, went away. Because the left is just watching over itself. If you don't hear about it, it didn't happen. There's an allegation now being made by a woman that she was sexually harassed by Benny Gantz when they were like 15 years old in high school in Israel. She now lives in the United States. I don't know anything about her. I don't know if she's telling the truth or not. All I know is the uh, reporter in Channel 2, or the what's called now Hadashot Shtemisre, had the story for about a month and sat on it. She was checking, she was this, she was that. And this comes after over a year of the Me Too movement. We don't ask questions. If a woman makes an allegation, we take her at face value. We have to give her a hearing. We have to let her speak. We don't ask why she waited 40 years, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly, all those rules are out the window. Because we want Benny Gantz to win. Now, it could be that this woman is psychotic. It could be that she's nuts. A lot of things could be. I don't know. And it could be she's, it's real, for all I know. I have no idea. I just find it fascinating that the left can throw out the rule book that they themselves wrote a year ago so quickly they can just throw it away. It's amazing. Case number 3,000. Tick. No, I'm sorry, 4,000. Tick about the film. This is the one case where there's an actual bribery charge that is uh, intended, the uh, Attorney General intends to, uh, to bring after, of course, uh, the Prime Minister gets the, the, the uh, ability to uh, the, the right of rebuttal, which is before uh, the court um, hearing. There is a uh, Israeli Jew by the name of Shaul Alowich. He uh, made a lot of money in um, cell phones, Nokia cell phones. He was the right place, at the right time. He became a big tycoon in Israel, as they they are called. Bought up a whole bunch of other companies, and um, he had controlling interest. Now it gets very convoluted here, so I. I, I can only tell you in general terms, I believe it was that he owned um, the cable company Yes, Y-E-S, and he wanted to be able to offer 
what they call here uh, in the United States, the cable companies call it a triple play, where he would be able to offer under one package a telephone, which would have come from the Bezek company, um, and um, cable, uh, which would have come from the Yes company, and internet, which would also come from the Yes company. And so it was very important for him, and probably worth a lot of money for him, that those two companies merge, Bezek and Yes. It is claimed that um, the Prime Minister did a lot of things, including making his one of his right-hand men, Shlomo Filber, the Director General of the Ministry of Communications, in order to help speed things up and pave the way for Shaul Alovich to have those two companies merge, Bezek and Yes. That was worth a lot of money to him. So what did Shaul Alovich give Prime Minister Netanyahu according to this? Well, it turns out that, that um, Alovich's cable company owned a website, a news website, which is out there, but it's truly not a major news website. It's called Walla, W-A-L-L-A. You can go online and look for it. Walla News. Well, it's an Arabic word, like, wow, voila. The Prime Minister basically, according to the allegation, according to the drift indictment, drift of the indictment, Prime Minister wanted to get positive news coverage for about him and his wife, especially his wife's very sensitive to, you know, uh, negative coverage in the news media and his son. And so, Alovich... And and this is attested to by many of the journalists that worked in Walla News. Alovich and those under him, the Director General of Walla News and others, um, made sure to take off or intercept any anti-Netanyahu articles from their website. And that was the quid pro quo. So Netanyahu paved the way for this merger, which was good for Alovich, and Alovich gave Netanyahu positive coverage. Now, the truth is, as Netanyahu claims, he did get some positive coverage, but most of the coverage on Walla News was still leftist. One could not claim, like you can with Yisrael Hayom, that's totally a pro-BB outlet, um, that Walla News became a a, a uh, um, pro-BB campaign headquarters. You know, it's not true. But, you have many journalists, and it's it's clear, you have case after case of journalists who, who talk about what it was like at the time working there, where specifically were given orders to either take down certain reports. It's a website, it's not a newspaper, so take down new reports or to lower the reports, to have the reports show up on the website below low enough that uh, much uh, fewer people would actually see the um, negative reports. And uh, there are reporters who claim that Olivich said to them, or it was said to them in Olivich's name by the Director General of Walla News, you got to get rid of that. You know, you know you're going to ruin the whole deal, you know, and stuff like that. And again, it could be that that was a very well understood quid pro quo. You do this, I'll do that. Or it was business as usual, politics as usual. We don't know. It's very hard to say. But here, there is a stronger case to be made. 
What is interesting is that two of the three cases are about Netanyahu just trying to get positive media. It's amazing. That is what he's, he's not getting money. He's trying to get some positive media. That is, it, it just if you think about it for a minute, it's quite amazing. And the other case that we, uh, the one that's not media, the one that it is alleged that he received actual value was gifts of, uh, uh, when you add it up, the amount are, are reasonably negligible for a man at his stature. So to think that that was given as a bribe is also hard to... So, you know, my gut, but again, I, I am on the right side of the uh, of the political uh, scale. And so even though my leanings are the right side, I, I, I my heart tells me that they spent a lot of time over three years digging up every possible thing, and this is the worst that they came up with. And in order to come up with this, they tortured and ruined three lives, just like they're doing here with Trump, and ruining people's lives by arresting people that they think can, they can get to talk. And in Israel, they arrested three people. I can't remember the third name, but one is near Chefetz. Oh, of course, Shlomo Filber. I just mentioned him. Near Chefetz. Ari Haro and Shlomo Filber, three of Netanyahu's closest advisors, and um, who were arrested, were thrown into jail, were, were I don't like to use the word torture, because they weren't tortured, but people at, in their state and stage in life to be thrown in a, a, a prison cell. Some of them, I think, were in solitary in horrible conditions, and pressured, and the, the the police did every dirty trick in the book to pressure them to turn state's witness, and they did. A lot was done in order, and the, and these three people's lives are ruined. You know, these were three very successful people. Ari Haro is an American who made Aliyah, was was a tremendous aide to to Netanyahu. Did a lot of great things for the state of Israel, all out of you know Zionist conviction. He, they, they don't have him on anything really, except some trumped up charges which they used to to get him to speak. So, does that take away from if the prime minister did bad things? No, it doesn't. It just tells you that uh, they were, in my opinion, they were out to get him. So I'm somewhere in the middle. They were out to get him. Two of the three don't seem to be real issues. The third I'm not clear about, and but one thing is for sure, the media in Israel is having a field day. They're celebrating all the way. And if somebody is pro-Netanyahu, and there are a few in the Israeli media, they give them a few minutes to say something, and then they try to shut them up pretty quickly. It's sad. It's sad to see this. It's sad to see such a situation. I don't think this is justice, but... You know, what can I tell you? Look, I'd say this, in my opinion, based on my constantly being in touch with Israeli sources and reading the media, reading in between the lines, Ehud Olmert was a corrupt person, case after case after case, which he got away with in almost all cases except for one, and he sat in prison. But he was truly corrupt. It was money, big money for favors, I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu is corrupt in that way. I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu made huge amounts of money by uh, selling 
favors. I think that he's probably cheap. His wife is probably even cheaper. I don't know. And she influences him a lot. And he did things, I guess, that are on the cusp, maybe you would say. But um, I, I think that to portray him as a really corrupt politician is, uh, is, not, is unfair and is not true. That's my personal opinion. And yet, I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you that um, the Department of Justice, the police, as we've seen here in the States, can be used as a political tool in a most horrible way. Here in the States, the FBI falls into that category. They call it the deep state, as I've mentioned before, stealing a line from uh, Errol Segal. In Israel, it's the deep shtetl. But it seems to be a similar way of getting at right-wing politicians. Another song we're going to have now from uh, Ariel Horowitz off of his brand new album. This is also a new one, just came out. This is called Imesh Kacheich. And is it talking about Yerushalayim or about somebody? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think it could be both. My name is Meir Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Bye. 
It almost seems like Ariel Horowitz is trying to be ambiguous in the song because he's obviously quoting from the Pasuk Meshkachech Yerushalayim, but he's leaving out the word Yerushalayim, and throughout the song the word Yerushalayim doesn't appear, even though it seems that he's referring to it. So, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think his mother, Naomi Shemer, had a rule that she did not answer questions of people like me who would <laughs> try to ask about the meaning of something, and it was like the answer. I, I didn't speak to her. I don't want you to get the impression that I did. I wanted to. I intended to. I was doing a work on Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, which I presented on the air a few times, um, but unfortunately she passed away, and I was never able to ask her, but I heard from other people that when they tried to approach her and get her, like, did you mean this, did you mean that, it was like most artists who say it's it's what you see in it and what you understand. It's not important what I meant. Which I'm not sure is true. But anyway, um, so I wanted to take another topic. It's it's uh, I'm running over, which is fine, because uh, after further review is not coming on after the Israel show uh, this week as Yoni's in Israel with uh, Jamie and the AM, and great shows, and you should stay tuned all week to shows, Jamie and the AM uh, live shows from Israel. I encourage you to do so because there's some great programming, and if you're interested in Israel, and if you aren't, why would you be tuned into this show? Um, no, well, we assume you're interested in what's going on in Israel, so stay tuned to Jamie and the AM. You can hear an encore of today's show on... Uh, NahumSiegel.com. You can listen to it on demand whenever you want via the app, the NSN app, or the um, website NahumSiegel.com. So I wanted to talk about the intense outrage that is being exhibited on the left against the alliance that was made between the Bayit HaYehudi and Otzma Yehudit. Um, Otzma Yehudit is a party, small small party, that um, whose whose main members are, um, one would say maybe disciples of Rabbi Meir Kahana, people who who were close to him and have uh, a a very strong right wing ideology. However, there's a big difference between the Kach party, which was ruled out of existence by the Israeli courts. The Kach party was not allowed to operate in Israel or to run for the elections at, uh, after the first uh, um, Knesset that, that Mayor Kahana participated in, and he was elected to. So they were outlawed. And uh, this party uh, is getting battered, not only in Israel, and this is so interesting, but even in America, I don't remember a time that APAC, American Jewish Committee, and others um, openly intervened in Israel's internal politics. And in this case, these uh, American Jewish organizations voiced their concern 
that's the official diplomatic language, about uh, the, the uh, alliance between Otsma Yehudit and um, Dubai Yehudi, and they voiced a concern that the Prime Minister was involved in doing that. So, Common Lipskin wrote an amazing article in my Riv. I've translated a good part of it, and I wanted to share it with you. But um, I'm not going to get to do that today. So I will hopefully start off next week's show with that and explain to you why I really... It's almost provable, you could see, that this outrage is an ant and, and and again there are those who are playing a part of it unwittingly but the left which is who is headlining and manufacturing this outrage it has nothing to do with morality with racism this is um a, 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 this is a campaign to delegitimize a group that would probably add a seat or two in the Knesset to the right-wing block, and the left wing is trying to to blackball them, to stigmatize them so that it would taint not only them, but it would taint all of the right, the Bayit Yehudi and the Prime Minister and others. And Carmen Lipskin Really, this is a great article, and which he shows by analyzing the history of the last like ten years or so. No, I'm sorry, twenty years or so of Israeli politics, when this very same party ran and was in the Knesset already, and everything was fine, and the country didn't turn racist, and the Knesset didn't pass racist laws. All the things that they're concerned that are going to happen now because this group of people made an alliance and might have a representative or two in the Knesset, they had a representative or two in the Knesset already. And every one of the elections where they ran, a, um, a motion was brought before the Bagats, before the Supreme Court of Israel, to outlaw them, and they were never outlawed because it could never be proven or shown that they're racist or that they support racist causes. But that, don't confuse me with the facts. All right, we'll try and get to that next week. We'll uh, end off with uh, an Eric Einstein classic. Eric Einstein, Mickey Gavrielov, off of the album Badesha Etzel Avigdor, going back to 1971. He Tavo, it's about the Yonah, the dove, from uh, the Ark of Noah. So you hear the refrain, ku, 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 he tavo. Ku, ku, meaning, you know, is the noise that the dove makes. He tavo, she will come. Imalashal Zayed Hitavo with a uh, a piece broken off of the olive tree, olive branch. She will come. Before that, we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the extended version of the Israel Show. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. We'll pay, post links to the songs we played today on our Facebook page. Thanks to the staff of Nachum Siegel Network. Avrami was very helpful today. It gets a little more. Uh, complicated when uh, Jamie and the AM is broadcasting live from Israel for us to do the handover. And uh, Rummy was very helpful with that. Thank you. As always, he's always very helpful. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Continued great success on the Jamie and the AM programs out of Israel this whole week. Um, There's going to be now a musical mix. 
And then Novik now with Jake Novik. Great show. Listen in. Topics of the day. Really good stuff. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no. They're just running in a different race. Thank you.